87% of realtors that get into the business get out of the business after two years. That does not exist in our world. We have massive visions around growing our businesses, and we are always looking to add talent to our world. We do everything in our power to ensure the people we surround ourselves with defy the odds, get into production, and build massive lives for themselves. We have interviewed some of the top realtors in the world. If you're a new realtor, a top producer, or CEO of a mega team, SalesBeast Podcast is your blueprint for success. With locations all across Canada, reach out to us to talk about partnership and opportunities. We are looking forward to it. Welcome back, Sales Beast listeners. Today, we are joined by The Mason. How are you, Mason? Fantastic. How are you? Awesome. Mason and I have known each other for a while. We got to party it up back in, what was it, 2022, 2021 in Orlando? Yeah, 2022. It was awesome. And um, obviously, since then, you've grown a lot. We wanted to get you on the podcast to chat about some of the things that you're doing. You're young, you've got lots of energy, and you're obviously building something really cool. So give us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, so I've been in the game for about just under two years now. I was working with my father originally for just under a year and a half. And then recently I segued into joining in a brand new brokerage, where it's really me and uh, two other guys. One of them is a condo developer, and then the other one specializes in land acquisitions for other condo developers. In the beginning of my career, I started off with you know, trying to do the residential hustle. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. And I'm um, putting up like a big fake profile trying to be a people pleaser type of thing because I just it didn't fit with my image at the time. Um, and then I started to get a taste for commercial. Um, started to love that everything was about the numbers. It wasn't about, you know, too many emotions or anything like that, having to connect with people in that, in that sense. And then one thing spelled after another, I came really close to having a deal for a mob, which would have been a $250,000 commission at 21 years old. So I was pretty jacked up from that. And then it fell apart literally a couple of days before um, the diligence was going to end. And since then, I just got a big taste for the commercial stuff. I've just been hustling since. And the guys that actually was working on that deal with on the cooperating side, those guys um, are the guys I joined with to start a new brokerage. Amazing. Going really well, yeah. So I think anyone that doesn't follow this guy on social media, I just came clean. I told him I was, I've been creeping you for the last year. Super yeah. fan behind the scenes. Um, you need to check him out. He absolutely crushes it there. And when you see him, you're probably going to think, here's this overnight success at 21 years old, absolutely crushing it. Because I'm such a big creep, I know that's not the case. I know your father is pretty special to you, and he's really seems guided to him over the course of your life. Another thing I saw in your background, you were at sports. You were a pretty high-level boxer. I assume that prepared you for this. If you can get punched in the teeth all day long and actually succeed at that sport, you can crush it here. Exactly. I was someone who was, I like, well, not even then, but always yeah, very obsessed over, you know, like one or two things. So when I was younger, I was obsessed with boxing. That's all I did. I trained two days a week, sorry, two times a day, about four hours a day sometimes. Um, I go for, for runs during lunchtime during high school. I was doing all that type of stuff. And then once I retired from boxing during the time COVID happened, I was like, holy fuck, what am I going to obsess over now? So I was kind of losing my, losing my mind a little bit. And then I started barbering, got into university, didn't end up going to university because I started to become obsessed with money. And then I realized me working six hours a week cutting hair wasn't going to be enough money for me because I like to spend a lot of money. And then uh, my dad was like, get your license. So I started to do that. And then that's where I found a new obsession, um, the hustle in real estate. So it's, yeah, that's, I just transferred everything I learned from boxing and mentally and I just took it over and transferred into a different skill. It's interesting. I have that obsession too. I, I wasn't a boxer. 
Um, if you wanted to, you could kick my ass. When I was a kid, I was into, into hockey. So I moved away from home at 15, I believe. Absolutely consumed by it. And then I found this. Now I'm obsessed with this. And it, it's like a magic pill because I don't think a lot of people have that. Literally, yeah. I see your stuff on social. I'm living the same life. Like, I go to bed thinking about it. I dream about it. I wake up in the yeah. morning thinking about it. People can't fucking compete with that if they don't have that. Very few people sure. have that. Yeah. How do you right develop that inside you? Or were you born with it? I think I developed it over time. I think I used boxing as an outlet to um, build up confidence and pride with what I was working towards. I was to prove a point to myself and then others around me. The same thing happened in real estate as well, right? Like I was a dropout was known as just like the boxer guy I had different phases in high school and stuff like that so it was like my time to show people like i can be an intellectual business person i can get the results and i don't need any of my parents help or anything like that and i can do it on my own so i think it was something that you know i was groomed over time but it definitely uh there was definitely a point to prove that you know, yeah for sure i love your dad we love walter here so um yeah, he obviously set a good trajectory for you to get into the business, obviously give you a lot of guidance, but it's still up to you to show up and make your name known. And like, even just in the, you said two, three years that you've had your license, you've gone from residential, started a new brokerage. And now uh, you also said you have a pre-construction sales company and you've been a speaker at the Buzz Conference. Now, yeah. out of some of those kind of career highlights, what has been your favorite? I think joining the new brokerage has been pretty cool. That's a biggie for me to just step away from where I sunk my roots in originally just because, you know, everyone thinks it's me working on my father type of thing. So it was pretty cool to step out of that, out of that image, even though that was never really the case. I would always learn from them and, and there'd be a mentorship there, but the work was always individual or collaborative. It was never me working for him type of thing. Um, so it's kind of cool to break out of that mold, start something new, start a fresh image. And now I'm in a brokerage where, um, two very well connected people and we are looking to build off of something, which is why I'm building a pre-construction team right now. We're also on the buying side with uh, my other partner, named Sunny Gari. So we're going to be building a, a great pre-con team on that end. And then eventually when we get that machine running, I'm going to be taking on listings for a lot of development sites with some developers that you guys will also know the names of just because we do have really good relationships with them, with the other two guys in my office. So that's probably the biggest highlight because there's just so much opportunity now. I think both Mike and I, at where you're at in this moment because we both started kind of like in a grassroots operation with something new although with like great connections and exciting you're building a brand new company and obviously there's a lot involved in that and obviously it's also so exciting but for you what what is some of your vision over the next five years with what you're creating i know you're doing land stuff uh, obviously the pre-con side is a big piece talk to us about yeah. that for me i think um five years from now i want to be Building custom homes, that's going to be a biggie for me. It's a great business to be in, and it gives you a lot more control over your life. I have guys who do it. Their wives are stay at home. They're borderline stay at home with their kids, and they would decide a couple hours a day. They were just make calls and delegate. I love the thought of doing that while also having a solid pre-construction sales team. Because um, then again, that's you're networking with the developers. You're going to sales launches. The different type of the different type of work when you're, when you're when you build out a team and a system. Um, and another thing is just hustling on the land. I love the idea of buying, buying up land and flipping it. It's a great business. Um, for example, I'm closing on a property um, this week for, well, not me, but a client of mine that I secure a property for. 
or it was an assignment sale and the assigner is going to be making over $1.2 million. The property locked up for less than four months and his investment was a $100,000 deposit. So that's something else that I want to get really big on in the next five years is buying up land, taking, you know, $100,000 to $500,000 of deposits and just buying different stuff up, trying to assign it. And then even stuff that's a little bit cheaper to close on it because if it makes sense, then, then you, can, you can carry it out for a little bit as you're trying to flip it again as you're closing. One thing I see from a lot of realtors, you don't seem to have done this, I didn't do this, but they want to go at it on their own, figure it out on their own. They'll join yeah. the brokerage, but they won't align themselves with someone like your father or your new business partners because they don't want to sacrifice the money. Yeah. Um, but one thing to know, like you're, these people you're talking about, they're locking up deals and signing them to make it a million bucks in four months. If you hang out with those people, you're going to become those people. You're going to make oh, way yeah. more money than you'd ever make off splits if they didn't teach you that in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm on the thing where, you know, I eat everybody type of thing that's involved. And um, I'm someone where you don't just eat one time from the one transaction. You're going to get something else again when I deal with that person again type of thing. On the land side, because it's all just about kickbacks in the land game, right? It's about having good relationships. One thing that I've noticed is you have to build really good relationships with planners, lawyers, accountants that handle receiverships, all that type of stuff. Um, when it comes to realtors, it's really tough because everyone says they do land and then like one in 10 actually know what they're talking about type of thing. So that's a hard lesson that I had to come by is don't just send everything to everyone when you have something because a lot of times it's going to get tainted, right? There's something that in the off-market game where if you have a site no one wants to hoard it around because then the other big guys aren't going to want to buy it. Because right? if it's hoard around and no one else has bought it, why the hell should they? Right? So that's mm -hmm. another big thing that I deal with um, on the commercial side of things as well. Good question for you. Have you had any issues with your age um, dealing in a space where there's so much at stake, mm -hmm. people have so much money, you're 21 years old. That's why I, I grew this beard at like 27 years old when I got <laughs> yeah. into real estate. So I could tell people right. I'm, I'm not 21, I'm actually 35. Yeah. Um, has um, that been I, an issue for you? I had like a limiting belief about the age thing um, for the first, honestly, borderline the first year of real estate. And then I started to go and just get comfortable in my own skin when I talk to strangers. And then it was like a light switch just turned off. Like I was comfortable with being who I was. And uh, I would own it. I would use that as a strength. Like, yeah, I'm younger. I don't have kids. I got no commitments. I'm going to work 10 times harder for you. Right. And then it's another thing now in the landing game where it's almost like, something to flex that I'm younger and, and I know that and I know the stuff that I know on the land side because then they're like oh my god you're like a you're like someone who I want to stay connected with because in 10 years from now you're going to be that guy who's going to have the site that I want type of thing so that's another thing mm -hmm. that a lot of the guys consider for example yeah, I had a deal that like locked in agreed on with Fernbrook for example like I'm 21 years old I had a deal with Fernbrook for a condo site like that's pretty sick and now I've called those guys like up the phone which is pretty awesome and just other people that don't know that, but that speak to me on the phone, they can almost like they can feel like this kid's got confidence or substance to what he's saying. Um, now the age thing's not a problem, but before it definitely was for sure. I always come back to my dad being like, what the hell do I do about my age? Like, I dress a little different. Should I bring you along with me? Like, what the hell do I do? And then he would just always tell me, no, you've got to do it. And then I got over that hump after a year. Well, it's such a double-edged double sword. Like you're you're too young, and then you keep thinking that way, and eventually you're too old, and you've missed out on opportunities if you keep telling yourself that. Um, I know you were going to say something, Mike. I'll let you go. 
There's this book I read. It was when I was in university, The Profit Read. It was by this guy, Seth Godin. It's a pretty book, actually. It's called The Purple Cow. It talks about how when you market a product, you want a purple cow, not the black and white cow, because there are millions yeah. of them. You naturally fall into that category of being a purple cow because you're young and confident, which is so rare, especially within your space. In the you find yeah. you're almost like uh, an athlete. Like you look at these highly toted athletes that have their shit together, like first rounders the NBA or first rounders the NHL. Someone my, like myself that's 34 years old, I will naturally be drawn to that and cheer them on. Like, I'm yeah, not cheering yeah. on fucking 34 year olds, man. There's so many. Yeah, uh, exactly. But, but a young person that's right? crushing it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, there's one thing that uh, one of the two guys in my office, the condo developer, what he said to me before I joined the brokerage, he said this to me about, I think a month before he even asked me to join the brokerage. He said, Mason, if you were a stock, I'd invest. And then a month later, he asked me to join the brokerage. So it's true. Like, people want to cheer on the young guy, they want to cheer on like someone that they see in themselves as a younger version. So. It definitely helps me for sure. Well, the thing too, in the commercial space, especially what I found, because I deal with it a lot, um, obviously up in bond too. Yeah. The average age is like 60. Yeah. yeah. Versus like someone like yourself coming in with newfound energy, maybe a different way of thinking, a different way of operating. You're already changing the game and you're creating the landscape for what commercial land and pre-con real estate will look like in 10, 15 years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like a lot of these guys don't even put their... Uh, cell phone number on realtor.ca right like they just leave their office they only communicate by email so it's definitely a different tip also coming from the younger generation for sure and like for those listening no shade to the old folks listening but yeah, I think yeah. they're great you guys have created the landscape but now it's time for the new yeah. generation to kind of start taking over that's it awesome so tell us a little bit about um obviously the development the the land stuff that you're doing where do you operate out of is it all of ontario or typically where do you do most of your business yeah it's all of ontario mainly areas poised for growth so for example durham region it's very hard to get the type of product that we're looking for right now but every now and then you can find good stuff there all of simcoe wellington obviously the gta is a no-brainer there's just going to be certain locations like Clarington, Newcastle, um, Poose Lynch. All those areas are areas that we're actively going for. Thorold's another big one. Um, and the way I do it is, since I don't like to work with, like, sounds bad, I don't really like to work with too many realtors on the land stuff. Um, just because I noticed every time I did, it always went to shit. So usually, I focus on trying to get the site on behalf of someone who's already interested in the site. And then that way, you control the whole situation, right? So you're on both ends. Usually what I do is, for example, one of my other best buddies, he's very big right now. I just got big pretty quick. He'll literally give me a couple of pin numbers or addresses. And let's say one will be 100 acres in, I don't know, Thorold, for example. He'll say, Mason, I want you to get me that. This is the price I'd pay, but don't tell them until you get a second meeting with them. So I'll go there. I'll have like a rough idea of the script type of thing. Um, usually I'll call first. 90% of the time, either they don't have a number or they don't pick up the phone. So I'll go there in person. Sometimes I'll bring a bottle of whiskey. It'll bring like some Portuguese pastries or something like that. Um, and then maybe it's always good because maybe it's probably going to transact. And these are big deals where, you know, 100 acres, it might be 250 acres. That's, that's a pretty good deal of 25 mil, right? So that's kind of the stuff that I'm focusing on the most. For example, after today, I got to drive to Thorold. Got to knock on seven farmers' doors on behalf of someone who's ready to put offers on it. Instead of me just sending out a site that someone sent to me, trying to find a guy, like it just doesn't make sense. It's not a good use of my time. I'd rather try to control the whole situation. 
a lot of gas money, but it's, uh, that, uh, the rate of the rate of getting something done is a lot is a lot uh, higher for sure. What are the odds? Like that's something I used to doing. I, I make a hundred dials of the database that will spit out yeah. two appointments, and I'll sign one. I'm not looking at like a hundred hundred houses door knocking. I'm looking at like stuff that these guys would buy. So it's usually you know five or six properties per area type of thing. Um, it's a very low success rate, honestly. For example, I've done offers in the past six months. I've probably done over $200 million worth of, of offers on paper, and only one of them fucking happened, which was six mil. Yeah. The other one was 16 mil, but that one broke. The firm broke, I told you that one. Um, so that's the type of stuff I got to go through, which beats me up as a young person. I'm going to make a million bucks on the deal, but it falls apart. Um, so yeah, it's probably one in 100, to be honest with you, because that's mm -hmm. what those fucking offers, man. It's been crazy. I've talked to so many landowners. Yeah, and I've had, like, my bigger one hit is hitting this week for six mil, which isn't bad, and I've had some smaller ones hit. Yeah, definitely one in 100, I'd say. This, yeah. yeah. I mean, similar success rate, you just have lower scale to work with, but the payoff is so much greater for the Exactly, time. yeah. It's very, yeah, the, the one in 100 you're working with is very, um, like, you have very specific intentions. You know what I mean? It's not like you're just pulling a bunch of homes and then seeing who, you know, who's down. It's, it's your guy has to buy, your guy has to want to buy it, right? So you have to have a good relationship with the buyer. Otherwise, they're not going to send you properties you want. Um, so on the condo side, one of the other guys in my office that has landed, he has guys have exact areas, exact blocks to assemble. I'll go out, I'll do all the legwork. And on the land side, I have my own guys that will give me way on certain parcels, and then I'll go after it as well. So it's a good mix of me learning for both. And now ever since I joined that brokerage, I can break down the numbers for sites um, fairly well now, because before I was just shooting in the dark, just trying to get something done. It's been a good, uh, it's been a good change of pace for sure. Well, yeah, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that like residential was more like people pleasing business and maybe not yeah. yourself versus now you're more on the investor analytical side. And so for you, how has that pivot changed your framework around how you build your business? Yeah, it's been great. I'm marking myself a little bit differently now. Like I'll make videos on first time home buyer incentives and stuff like that. I just, I just kind of do me. I just show my, show myself. And, and I actually get, I've been getting residential leads ever since I've changed up, to be honest with you, ever since I've been focusing on commercial, there's been more residential coming my way, which is, is funny. It must just be like the energy or something like that. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's been weird. That's for, for sure. It's a lot, making a lot of residential kind of coming my way. But that's why I like pre-construction as well, because pre-construction, you can do everything through your laptop. For the most part, like you can get a sale done just by answering the phone, filling out a worksheet, and sending out some emails. Um, so the thought of like just you know working from your office is a lot better for me than having to drive around, meet a bunch of people. Honestly, uh, like a landowner. What do you do to to maintain your sanity, given you have these massive deals on your plate and they fall apart, and six months later one comes together? How, how do you do that? I have a sick morning routine. I haven't been doing it like the past two weeks because I had a crazy birthday that I'm recovering from. But uh, um, usually, yeah, usually I do like the full miracle morning thing. I wake up, I meditate, um, affirmations, um, visualize. I haven't been reading as much, which I want to get back into. I've just been trying to find the right book. Um, and usually I go out, I work out, come back, and then I get right to my day. That's usually the time where I'm most mentally sane. And that's probably one of the happiest is when I'm coming back from the gym protein shake or Starbucks in my hand. I'm like, okay, now I can crush the day. And then that's when I get a lot, a lot of stuff done. I find if I don't do that, I'm way out of whack. Like my like either mental health or focus or whatever you want to call it 
is just out the window. It's when I'm, when I'm on top of that morning routine, it's completely different. That's usually what keeps me on point for sure. Yeah, we're big believers in that too. And I think like how you do one thing is how you do anything. So you show up 100%. and do something for yourself and then everything else is going to show up for you. Yeah, I'm at the point now where like I have such high expectations for myself where you know, the past two weeks I've been slacking a little bit. And when I get up and I, you know, put my alarm on snooze, like I actually get like super angry at myself where I'll wake up and I'll, be, and I'll come downstairs and my parents are like, what's wrong with you? But that's because like I put my alarm on snooze. You know what I mean? And not a lot of people... In this age category, I like that they're sleeping until like 12 o'clock after partying at a pub on a, on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely different, that's for sure. I find most people in real estate, regardless of their age, they could be your age or 50, like they shouldn't even be in the space. Like they need a boss, really. Oh, I'm not using their alarms, the last thing on their mind. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, you gotta treat like a business all in. You rarely meet anyone that succeeds in this that doesn't treat it that way. Like, I think I yeah. heard you, I saw something you posted, you're thanking three people. I forget who the three were, but I, I remember one was Chris Knighton. Um, yeah. He's the first guy I met with when I got in the business, other than Sandy. And he, he opened up his brain and showed me how it worked. And I quickly realized you have to be a machine. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a beast. He's a beast. Yeah. Has it been difficult for you, like, at your age, having such a, like, almost, um, like, a disciplined path that you're creating for yourself versus people at your age, like you said, maybe spending time partying and doing stupid shit like young kids do? Yeah, like, I found a a happy medium. Like, it's not like I don't go out at all. Sometimes I'll go out a lot, but now when I go out, I'm not just going out to, you know, Western University on a Wednesday just to get drunk with my buddies. Mm -hmm. Now it's, going to toronto i'm there with either one of my developer guys if he invites me out or i'm there with a bunch of other very big money people i can't name them obviously but i party with some very very wealthy individuals and eventually it's going to turn into business when their numbers are on my phone so now when i go out i'm going out to be purposeful it's not just to go out and get fucked up i'm going out to build relationships half the time i don't even drink i always drive back home i'm just getting some more numbers in my phone it's like my other way of lead generation aside from going out to talk to landowners or talking to people on LinkedIn or at conferences. It's going out to the most expensive clubs in the city and, uh, and you know, the other big heads there. And that's, that's big, that's a big part. So I'm balancing it, but at the same time, I'm still, I'm still out in a social setting. It's just very different. The right people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's been going pretty well so far. Like some of, like, for example, the deal I'm closing this week, like I party with the guy and I saw him at him. So yeah. you're just building relationships yeah. and things are coming from it. Exactly. Yeah. The, the one of the best ways to get someone to open up is over food, drinks, or something else. Like, right. So that's the best way to do it. Hundred percent. Um. Well, I I don't really have many more questions. Is there anything else that you want to plug or share with us? What do you have coming up? Yeah. So I'm gonna be launching the pre-con stuff in October. Like that's like everything is already in the works right now. It's just when we're actually launching. I have a database of like twenty thousand pre-construction leads right now which is like a little lottery ticket for me um, through a contact of mine. So once that gets up and running, you guys will probably see a whole lot of pre-construction content. That'll be like the big focus. And then obviously keep the land stuff going as well. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. So you're the land guy. Anyone listening, get in touch with Mason if you need support on that. And um, Mike, do you have any final questions before I ask our last question? No, you go ahead. Okay, so we ask all our guests, Mason, who do you know that we should know that we should get on this podcast? 
Did you get my guy Sonny Gower on the podcast? Because he's got a lot of got a lot of different parts of real estate. That's a guy you should talk to. Yeah, we'll get his contact info from you. Yeah. And by the way, what's your favorite podcast? Uh, sales Beast, of course. You got it. Thanks so much Love for joining us, Mason. We really appreciate your time. It's been great getting to catch up and I uh, can't wait to see all the big things that you're doing. Thank you, guys. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm